You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mythic Thunderloo is produced independently, but you can find us on Patreon. Howdy listeners, game maker Michael Darty here. We are so stoked to bring you the return of Mythic Thunderloot this winter, and we are recording new episodes as we speak. But before we get to that, I've gotten a few requests for this, so I wanted to explain some things about Dungeons & Dragons for those of you who may not be up to speed on the rules and how it relates to MTL. So if you already understand the rules of D&D, this may not be the episode for you, but for everyone else, it's time for a little D&D 101. I'm sitting here with my good pal, Richard R. Henry, who fans might remember as our very own Giovanni Chubb. How's it going, Richie? I'm very good. Are there Giovanni Chubb t-shirts? Not yet, but now that you say that, I want that desperately. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was so much fun to record that. It was really a blast. It's a blast to listen back to. I, I've probably listened to Down the Shore like a thousand times. I love that song so much. My 15 minutes of fame, as it were. I'm so excited to have you here. I, I chose you for several reasons. One, because you're a good pal and you're a you're a very fun person to interact with. Uh, obviously, you're associated with the pod, and as I understand it, you don't really know shit about D&D. I know of it. My older brother used to play when I was a kid. Great. And they would come gather in my room, yeah. and I would get kicked out, and <laughs> uh, and they would be there till four in the morning, and I was like sleeping in my mom's bed because they were still in there playing D&D. You never played in all that time. I never played, and they would console me by giving me the little cloth bags full of dice to play with. I was very very young. And so I played with the dice as a toy and I thought they were so cool because they were like jewels. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And, it, and I loved them so much. I got, you created your characters in D&D and you rolled the dice to figure out their strength and their abilities and stuff. But I, I'm much I'm much more of a visual guy. So I was like hooked on the video games, you know. Yeah. I'm intrigued by the whole thing. I'm a perfect guinea pig because I do have an interest in all things dragons and magic. Well, I figured I'd first give you a basic rundown of D&D and then I can explain how it relates to MTL and how we deviate from it. Cool? Sounds good. Talk to me like I'm five years old. Okay. What is Dungeons & Dragons? Take it from the top. So in the most broad terms, D&D is at its core a game, and specifically, it's a tabletop 
role-playing game or TTRPG. Break that down for me. Well, let's actually start with, with the part you know, tabletop. As self-explanatory as it sounds, basically any board game you've played growing up, right? Got it. Now with D&D, the board is actually a map of the world you're traversing. Okay, okay, here we go. <laughs> so if you're traversing a continent, we use a world map. And there we have like a single space is equal to 60 miles. Then once you enter a kingdom, we, we use a map of just that kingdom. From there, we can zoom into provinces, into cities, and even into individual buildings. So basically, you're moving a little game piece that represents your character across a board and constantly zooming in as we get more specific with where we're moving into. It's like board gaming to the nth degree. Exactly. Down to the point where like you're literally moving six feet of space to try to attack your enemy, right? Got it. Let's hit the other part of that. RPG, a role-playing game. Basically, any game where you are playing the role of a character in a fictional world. Now, the degree to which you play the character in D&D is entirely up to the player. So while some do voices, mannerisms, and affectations like we do on MTL, others might simply just describe the actions of their players. Gotcha. Now, this is not to be confused with LARPing or live action role right, playing. which I love LARPing. I mean, I've never done it, but I like the idea of it. Absolutely. I've seen the documentaries where they like have like uh, spells are like colored bean bags and they're like yes. really hitting each other hard with these bean bags. <laughs> I know, and exactly. And they're like, negative 10, negative 10. You know, they're, they're like losing their strength or whatever the case may be. That's exactly right, Richie. It's the same gaming mechanics as D&D or any TTRPG, only instead of a game piece, you're using your body in a real-world physical space. It's important that people socialize. You know, <laughs> it, is, it, 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 it is. You know, it honestly <laughs> is a great way to bring people together. And like for D&D, it happens to be just a group of friends around a table with their dice, with their map and their game pieces, and, you know, some snacks and, you know, maybe some herbal or liquid encouragement. You know, I, I took a little bit of that to come here today. Excellent. So we're, we're <laughs> I'm glad you did. We're on the same page. All right. On the subject of the of the game pieces. Yes. The, these are the, the I follow on TikTok a bunch of these guys yes. and girls who make these these uh, miniatures that yes. they paint with like painstaking detail. Yes. These tiny little figures of wizards and dragons and all this stuff. And it's amazing. They're it, like little miniature movie sets. It really you know? is. It really is incredible. And, uh, you know, obviously they represent the, the player's characters, as well as any character or creature you might interact with. Right. So like a very prepared DM will have, if you're, if you're meeting a cave troll, they will have a six inch tall exact replica of that cave troll. So the, so the dungeon master, are you, are you sort of keeping that in your pocket or like hidden? And then you like pop it out and you're like, boom, cave troll. Exactly. And everybody goes nuts. Many you know? DMs use like a little board to hide all their little tricks and surprises. There's gotta be an element of theater. It's all theater. And that's kind of the beauty of it. And some people go really hard for it. They'll 3d print game pieces and even their maps. They'll hand paint them while some might just like you Use a little bag of coins and you're like, all right, all the players are pennies. Now, question, is that what you do? <laughs> I have done that. But for MTL, we just use theater of our minds. I'm physically describing the, the places. Sometimes I will have the places drawn out for my reference. I see. Saying what the physical distance is from all the things entirely imagined, which is totally an option if you don't have the bells and whistles or if you're doing it on Zoom and you don't want to do it that way. D&D &D in the world of Zoom. Now, there are web 
websites that allow you to have digital maps that you can traverse. Oh, that's So cool. that is still an option. Yeah. You know, with MTL, we're also streamlining to be a very dialogue and story-driven game. Right. So it's it's very much about the theater of the interplay between me and the players, you know? So you can really play the game however the hell you want. Yes. Even in terms of gaming style. So, like, if you love combat and you're like, I want to hack and slash my way through, I want to get into as many battles as possible, you can fight every chance you get. However, you could also choose to play the game more stealthily or more diplomatically and try to avoid as much combat as possible. Oh, right. So in, in a group of people, you could have like a pacifist or someone who's like, let's go in, guns a-blazing, doesn't matter. Absolutely. And you could have your friend hiding out in a tree who's a ranger who's just going to shoot arrows and be totally hidden. I see. Of I course, see. the best laid plans often go awry. And that couldn't be more true of D&D. And that's kind of the best part because the chaos element of you making it up yes you're sort of like created this sort of adventure for everybody yes and but you also can take it in a new direction if you want because you're in control that's exactly right and and the, the cool thing about it is that no one is fully in control of it just as i cannot control the player's actions they do not know what i'm about to throw their way and none of us know how the dice rolls are about to go down right so what are the what are the actual rules of the game like how do the dice rolls work and all that let's get into it so for actual gaming mechanics we turn to the holy trinity of dungeons and dragons texts which is the player's handbook the dungeon master's guide and the monster manual which one is the most important okay so for a player it's going to be the player's handbook this contains not only the building blocks for building your character but it's also uh, basically a layout of the rules of the game. The Dungeon Master has his own book. Dungeon Master Manual is mostly for inspiration when building a fantasy world. It serves as a way to build puzzles, traps, situations the party might encounter, and also teaches how to build battles. So like what what kind of monsters and how strong they are. Exactly. Right. Okay. So so based on how many players you have and what level they're at will determine how many bad guys of what strengths you should put in for it to be an easy, medium, challenging, or impossible battle. So it's like choosing your difficulty in a video game. Yes. I always choose simple because they make the games harder because the younger generation are really good at the games. Yes, yes. So like they have to make these games super hard but I'm older, so like I get so frustrated, and I'm like, why am I in a rage right now? Like I'm supposed to be having a good time, so I, I set it to simple, just so I, my blood pressure doesn't go through the roof. Now the only difference is the dungeon master is the one choosing the difficulty. I see. So you could have a DM who's like a little merciless and all about creating situations where players are constantly losing their characters in battle, and then you have to rebuild a new one. Right. I'm less about that, especially when we're trying to tell a narrative that has like character growth and character arcs. So you could be you could be like a merciless dungeon master where you just, you could where you kill off characters and like or just a really strict dungeon master where you know if they touch the forbidden obelisk they will turn into a pile of ash. Okay, you know, okay. like and just be really hard and fast about consequences. You know, so there are three main books. Yes. So the third one is the monster manual. Okay. 
Which is basically just an index of every kind of creature and non-player character that the party could interact with. So if you're building combat, you could just pull from that. It's like, oh, there's a pack of ghouls. Let me look up the stats for ghouls. If we want to encounter a variety of monsters or a non-player character or NPC, every person the dungeon master voices. Like the like the like the tavern guy who's like, hey, what can I do for you? <laughs> exactly, you know, like exactly. that guy. <laughs> there's that guy, the guy who put, sends them on a side quest. It's like. I'm looking for a pack of travelers, just <laughs> right. like you, who, who could go to the forbidden land of Guadalajara, you know? Guadalajara. So there's that guy. There's also any, any like big bad enemy that you could interact with or allies who follow the party along, which in Mythic Thunderloo is Herman the Monk. He's sort of there tagging along with the party to be like, hmm, here's a suggestion for how this could maybe be a little easier. Or based on his knowledge of the land, he can like give a little backstory when we need it, you know? Gotcha. So how do we go from the books that are the like the the Bibles of this thing to the actual actual gameplay. Yes, absolutely. So uh, there are a number of pre-written campaigns that the DM can use to guide the players through. So this is a great way to start if you've never dungeon mastered before. And a campaign is like the the quest that the player's gone. This is like the, you, we've been tasked with going to get the crystal from the dragon in the cave somewhere. Exactly. And, yeah. Now campaigns contain multiple quests, like you're describing, that sort of intertwine side quests that can pop up along the way, usually with a central thrust. For instance, a very popular one is the the Curse of Strahd, which centers around a vampire. And Strahd is the big bad of this world, so the stories are going to kind of revolve around him. And can players do whatever they want? Or, or I mean, they kind of have to stick to whatever the mission is. Yeah, you know, like, let's say they come upon the followers of Strahd. The players can kind of determine whether they want to, like, ally with the followers of Strahd. Mm. Maybe you're an evil character, and you're mission is to join the bad guys right. right and so that'll be it'll be up to the dm to sort of like herd everybody back to or or be incredibly flexible and be like okay this is the path the players are taking i'm gonna really let them choose their own adventure here uh. and su- and support this narrative that they become interested in maybe you meet up with a vampire hunter along the way and you're like i'm gonna do exactly what this guy says and sort of fall in line here or i'm gonna i'm gonna follow my own path for slaying this vampire and figure it out for myself okay so how how do the dice rolls i mean i know that you you sort of roll for strength and you roll for all this stuff but how do they factor into like the actual gameplay so yes you basically roll any time you attempt to do something moderately difficult for instance if you want to climb something or attack someone or persuade someone to do something or even just perceive like if someone is lying you will roll a 20-sided die to see how it goes ah okay now the dungeon master has predetermined how high a player needs to roll in order to accomplish that thing. So roll under you fail, roll over you succeed. That's right. And meets it beats it. So if you hit the number on the nose, you also succeed. That's great. So and, and what's really fun in the storytelling is always is always the extremes, right? So you've got a thing called a crit fail, which is or a critical fail, which is when you roll a one. So that means not only do you fail, but something terrible happens. Yeah, so I'm 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 stupid enough to swing my sword at a dragon and I roll a one and I the the sword breaks or or I break. Yep. Or or, yeah. or it flies out of your hands right. or something, exactly. Right. Whereas uh, if you roll a natural 20, the, the highest you could roll on this die, in combat it's called a critical hit or a crit hit, meaning that it deals the maximum amount of damage. Or if you're doing something like climbing a tree, you like 
fly up the tree in record time. So basically it's a choose your own adventure novel where the dice rolls can fuck you over. Exactly, exactly. And that's very much what a Mythic Thunderloot script looks like. I'm a bit more scripted than you might see in a campaign like Curse of Straw that you would buy uh, in that I'm really writing out my narration, my descriptions of places and the dialogue that non-player characters say so that I can edit together something that sounds almost scripted, even though we're kind of improvising our way through this thing. I'm understanding it better now, and I, but I do. I, I'm curious because yeah. having listened to and been a part of an episode, what what is the segue between Mythic Thunderloot and, and and a normal Dungeons and Dragons game? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, there's there's a lot of overlap, right? Like, once we have a successful or a failed role, that will split the narrative to two alternate realities of possibility from a single decision that the players make. In this way, we are exactly like D&D, right? Mm. These decisions could be immediate. Oh, you've chosen the right path instead of the left path. So we're gonna go down this one. Sometimes it's like a character will be negatively or positively impacted by the group, and that character will come back later, much to the detriment or success of the players. This is sort of like this the central tenements of D&D that, that we very much honor in Mythic Thunderloot. I see. Now, the biggest difference I would say is in the gaming mechanics. Yeah. In D&D, like once you attack an enemy with your 20-sided die, you're then gonna roll smaller die to see how much damage you deal. Oh, I see. So it's like the drama is in the dice roll. That's the theater of it, right? And so for MTL, we wanna simplify this and make each dice roll feel a tad more important. So I've predetermined damage. Once a player successfully hits, I know exactly how much damage that they're dealing to these different enemies and vice versa. So that, that keeps things moving, yeah. for the, especially for the sake of the show, because we also have musical numbers to get to. Exactly. <laughs> so so we're, we're trying to keep not only the sessions themselves faster, right. but we're trying to focus on the dialogue and the story and only highlighting the dice roll when it's like a really dramatic moment. There's a, there's a moment in episode seven where they're all trying to jump over this gap in a bridge and they could fall into lava, right? right. And every dice roll that is an attempt to do that feels like incredibly important because they could literally Die. So th- if this so this is a story if this is a story that you cannot predict, do you just kind of write new storylines in between each recording session? That's exactly right. Um, you know, I, I've got this, much like a campaign, I've got the sort of world that I'm operating in. But once the characters make any of those decisions that change the future of the world, I won't I won't write that next session, that next episode, until after we've played through to take everything into account, you know? I had no idea, actually, about any of that. I didn't know how you were coming up with this. So it's like, uh, it's long form improv. Yeah. And everything eventually, everything eventually comes around at the end. Yep. That's exactly right. And yeah, just like, like they say in long form specifically, like I did a class at, at Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah. And they always talk about the Herald form and they use the metaphor paint on a basketball so that everything that gets introduced at the top sort of like melts around the basketball, but because it is a sphere, it all comes together at the end in a satisfying way. I see, gotcha. So that is always what you're trying to do, not only in long form improv, but in a satisfying D&D game. And especially one like MTL, which is a story that we're trying to tell for an audience, you know? Um, Is that it? Does that cover it? Is that? Yeah, I think the next step 
would be building a character, which I would love to do with you on our next episode. Yes, I'm excited about that. I've already been thinking, I've been ruminating. Like when I used to play, uh, I used to play World of Warcraft, which is another yes. version of D&D back in the day. Absolutely. I, I, I was a night elf druid. Okay. And yeah. I, you know, I think I made it to level 80 or something like that. Or, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and like, but but I was never a, a very good player. Like I, like I, sure. I, I, I like my outfits to match, which is like not a thing that you should really be doing you know like i know i love it i looked amazing but i wasn't the best player in the hey, world <laughs> sometimes it's about style too and and i yeah. i happen to be a dm that really rewards style and innovation and 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 gameplay as much as the dice rolls terrific i'm looking forward to it i'm, I'm looking forward to building a character great well folks hopefully you found that illuminating uh if, if you only really wanted like a general explanation of the game for the context of listening to Thunderloot, you can stop here but if you would like to dive in a little bit more, learn how to play the game. Tune in next month when Richie and I will sit down for the next installment of this series, D&D 201, Building a Character. All right. Thanks so much for being here, Richie. Thank you so much for having me. I cannot wait. I'm literally going to be in the next month, literally, like, coming up with a look, like, how, how I want to behave. Like, it's 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 a character. I'm literally, it'll be, a, I, I basically should be LARPing. I, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> uh, thank you, Richie. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. If you have any questions, hit us up on social media or on Patreon. This episode was written by Richard R. Henry and myself, Michael Darty, edited by Alex Kuyper, and underscored by the fabulous Dan Kazimi. A quick shout out to our newest Patreon supporters, Jason Kaufman, Nathan Myers, and Angus Bullock. We are dropping our singles from season 1.0 every month on our Patreon, so please do find us there. Volume 1 of the MTL album is now available across all music platforms in Volume 2 is coming soon. Finally, season 1.5 of Thunderloot will premiere this winter. And winter, my friends, will eventually be here. We'll catch you next time on Mythic Thunderloot. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.